Well, according to the last commercial break, our next guest will make Washington worse. I don't even know if that's possible, but let's find out. Democratic congressional candidate Betsy Dirksen Londrigan is live on the air with us this afternoon. Betsy, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, uh, I'm seeing all kinds of assessments about this 13th Congressional District race. This is going to be one of the ones that the entire country uh, is watching on Tuesday night. And most of the assessments say things like neck and neck, toss up, could go either way. How do you feel about your chances on Tuesday? Well, I feel like we are in a very, you know, good, strong position. Uh, You know, uh, people are really fired up. Um, You know, our volunteers have been, oh, my gosh, they have been working so, so hard, Jim. You know, I just got a a number this week that about blew my mind. Our volunteers have made over a half a million contacts with voters in central Illinois. That is, that's amazing. That that is a lot, um, but you're in a district that has been pretty deep red for a lot of years and had went pretty strongly for Donald Trump four years ago. You narrowly lost to the Republican incumbent Rodney Davis two years ago. To what extent do you think this vote right now in 2020 is less a, a referendum on the two of you and more a referendum on Donald Trump? Well, I think it's, you know, I think it's a, uh, a referendum on a lot of things, including the number one overarching issue in this campaign, which is health care, you know, which this administration has, uh, you know, supported the lawsuit that the Supreme Court is going to hear one week after Election Day to completely overturn the Affordable Care Act and all of the essential health benefits that go along with it. Uh, you know, this <laughs> Representative Davis, has voted 11 times to fully repeal the Affordable Care Act with no replacement, which would erase all of the essential health benefits, including gutting protections for people with pre-existing conditions. And I think that health care is on the ballot. And we need to make sure that we're electing somebody who is going to protect our care. And that is why I got into the race, you know, in 2018. It's why I got back into the race in 2020, because... I know how important it is for people to have access to quality, affordable care. All right. I, I've got a f- couple other issues I want to get to, but let's stick with this one for the moment and walk me through this. If everything goes exactly the way you want it to on Tuesday, Joe Biden's in the White House. Democrats control the Senate. Democrats control the House. What does health care in this country look like one year from now? What does that system uh, look like and how does it work? Well, it means that the Affordable Care Act and the essential health benefits will be in place, number one, which means that people with pre-existing conditions will, will, will not be discriminated against. They're not going to be forced into high-risk pools. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be maintained like it is right now, which is what we need. Uh, you know, a lot of people, though, a lot of people, though, have said the Affordable Care Act wasn't really all that affordable when they went to go buy policies uh, on uh, online. What they found was policies that were either very expensive or had enormous deductibles. And they felt like they you know, they were required to buy something. But what they were getting wasn't really meeting their needs. Can, can that right, we s- need, we've got to address the costs. I totally agree. And in fact, um, you know, the House did pass the Affordable Care Enhancement Act uh, to specifically address those costs associated with out-of-pocket costs and premiums. Of course, Congressman Davis voted against that, too. The other thing that will look different, Jim, 
is we're going to lower the cost of prescription drugs. We're going to allow Medicare to negotiate for drug prices, which is going to unleash the purchasing power of Medicare uh, to, dr- to negotiate directly with the pharmaceutical companies. That's going to bring those costs down for all of us. And I can tell you this, that means so much to people in every corner of central Illinois because I hear from them every single day. And I'll tell you, they are making horrible choices in their own lives to make sure that they can get their prescription drugs. And we shouldn't have to do that. You've talked about supporting a public option, giving people the chance to enter into a Medicare-style system. Uh, But if people have that ability to opt out of private insurance and go to that public option, and if private insurers are required to cover people with pre-existing conditions, how does the math work on that? And, And would that system allow me to maintain my affordable private health insurance? Well... Listen, a public option is exactly that. It is an option. The reason that I support making sure that we keep the Affordable Care Act in place is because I hear from people across Central Illinois who say, you know what, Betsy, I like my insurance. I want to keep it, but it's too expensive. How can we start addressing that? So we have to do, you know, we've got to keep some balls in the air here and make things better. Um, Not only do we need to make sure that we are figuring out a way uh, to introduce competition into some of these marketplaces. Because, you know, in some of our rural areas, providers have left and costs have gone up. And we need to make sure that we're introducing a little competition into those markets. And we can work with the hospitals to make sure that they can maintain their excellent standard of care, which is so important. uh, Because, you know, people rely on these critical access hospitals in our rural communities. And also allow some competition into the market to help lower those costs. Um, but it's a multi-pronged approach, and again, you know, uh, including lowering the cost of premiums and out-of-pocket expenses, but overarchingly lowering the prescription drug costs is really important to people, too. Probably the biggest thing the next Congress is going to have to address immediately is pandemic recovery, helping people, helping businesses, and even even helping state and local governments get out of this mess. What do you want to see in the next pandemic relief bill, and should it include financial aid to the state of Illinois and to local governments in Illinois uh, to help them with some of their pandemic costs? Well, the, you know, the first thing we have got to do is take care of our of our families and our small business owners. Um, I'm hearing very scared people on the phone. Uh, you know, they and their families are facing this sort of economic cliff. You know, they're making decisions between you know, a car payment or putting groceries in the refrigerator. Uh, So we need to make sure that we extend unemployment insurance and get money back into people's pockets. It's really important to remember that this pandemic happened to everybody. You know, it happened to us. Um, People are not at their workplace through no fault of their own. And so we need to make sure that once we do get to the other side of this pandemic, um, that our, you know, our families are still afloat. And the same goes with our small businesses. Um, you know, we need to make sure that we are refilling the, you know, the funding for the payment protection program, and we need to make sure there is adequate oversight to make sure that it's getting to the mom-and-pop shops that it's intended to get to. And, you know, beyond that, we are really going to, we're going to have to help our, um, you know, our, our government, um, because at the end of the day, we had no national plan, and so we need to make sure that you know, for the, all the costs that people outlaid, that the federal government is providing assistance because that's going to be hurtful to us 
to people, you know, who are taxpayers, who are who do count on, you know, public schools, who count on our firefighters when, when something goes wrong, when they call 911. But I mean, re- we don't want them having to cut those budgets. And but, that's the reality of the situation. That's what we're talking about here. But Republicans call that a bailout for badly run states like Illinois and, and say, why should we uh, give them money when they haven't managed their resources well? What's your response? There was, I wish those Republicans who are saying that had stood up to this president who lied about this pandemic, uh, lied about the severity of it uh, from very early on, uh, lied to the American people, and then had no national plan to address it or to help get us through this. Uh, We still have no national plan, and I think that's really where people's energy needs to focus. We want to get workers back to work. We want to get teachers back in classrooms. We want to get students back in school, and we need to do all of these things safely. So what we need to be focusing on is developing a strategy for, um, you know, for rapid testing that is, you know, that and tracing. And we need to make sure that we are providing protective equipment for our essential workers and for our students and our teachers. Uh, I mean, we need a national plan here. Betsy Dirksen-Londrigan, how big a concern is that mounting federal debt, and what does the next Congress need to do to address it? Well, it is a concern. Um, I think the more pressing concern right now is how are we going to get to the other side of this pandemic, and when we get there, how are are our families and our small businesses still going to be afloat? And those are the investments that we need to be making now. We need to be investing in our families, we need to be investing in our small businesses, and we have got to come up with a national plan. We have to invest in testing and tracing so that we can get this pandemic under control, get our workers back to work, get our teachers back in classrooms, get our students back in school. Joe Biden says he would raise taxes, but only on people making $400,000 a year or more. Do you endorse that plan? Now, I'll tell, you what, I'll tell you what I do believe, and what I do believe is that the tax plan that Representative Davis was the face of uh, for 2017 is exactly the wrong thing for working families. You know, that was a massive giveaway to corporations and the super wealthy, and we need to make sure that any tax system that we are working toward is for working families. And that they, you know, that they are the ones who are getting the benefit of those dollars, not the corporations and super wealthy. They don't need those types of benefits. Working families do. So should taxes go up on very wealthy people around the country? Well, what I'd like to do is I'd like to roll back the, uh, you know, the tax scam of 2017 and reinvest that in our families, our middle class, our working families. Let's talk a little bit about campaign ads. This has been a singularly negative campaign in recent weeks, and we'll talk about Congressman Davis's ads here in a moment. But your own recent ad got called out where you had the owner of the feed store uh, talking about the, the hurdles for him to get pandemic relief while Congressman Davis's family got that relief. Uh, but the fact check revealed that uh, the, the feed store owner never actually applied for that pandemic relief. And, and you were called out for that. Also for his claim in the ad that Congressman Davis voted to keep the aid that went to his family secret. Now, there was a vote uh, about some secrecy, but it wouldn't have affected the aid for the congressman's family. And so those uh, those claims were ranked false. Uh, is that a, a fair ad or should that ad still be running? 
Well, first of all, um, Mr. Richardson has every right to tell his story. And but it's your was, ad. It, I mean, he can tell was, his story, right. but he's telling it in your in your ad. Oh, absolutely. And he and he and he also was very careful and truthful in his presentation that he got the round that he got the runaround. And Representative Davis, not only did he vote against the Truth Act, which is the one that you're referring to, Jim, and I do believe that people also want to know, like, why the L.A. Lakers, you know, who got way over, you know, who got over two million dollars. Why they were first in line. People did want to know that too, but he also voted against forming the, um, the a committee to perform oversight on this program, and that's an issue. It's an issue for voters, and it's an issue for you know for me personally. That's taxpayer money that is being spent. There is no reason to hide where that money is going. Taxpayers have every right to know that the money is going to where it was intended to go. And that is to the mom and pop shops. And, you know, today I was in Bloomington Normal and talking to a small business owner, rather listening to her and her experience with the program, you know, which, you know, by the time she figured out how to apply in round one, the money, of course, was gone. And so she was in line for, you know, for round two. And ultimately that was very helpful to her. So the program itself is excellent, and again, I want to I want to put more money into that program. It has to be coupled with oversight. I'm almost out of time here, and I want to talk about Congressman Davis's ads. Uh, there have been a lot where they try to mention you and Mike Madigan in the same breath as much as possible, and a few pretty unpleasant uh, adjectives going there. So, come clean for us this afternoon. What exactly is your relationship with Mike Madigan? He's he's the head of the Democratic Party of Illinois, and that's the extent of it. Are you, know, are you taking uh, money from Mike Madigan? I have taken zero dollars from the spe- from Speaker Madigan or any of his committees. And Jim, it's also important to note that KMOV television station did a fact check on Representative Davis and said that those claims that he is making and continues to make are absolutely false. He's also been fact checked on his claims about his health care votes. I have said over and over again that he has voted 11 times to repeal the Affordable Care Act with no replacement. That is absolutely true, and every fact checker has said that that is absolutely true. Betsy Dirks and Londrigan, we're out of time. How do people find out more about your campaign in these waning hours before Election Day? Well, please go to BetsyDirksonLondrigan.com. We are phone banking. We are texting. We are doing lit drops. Uh, we would love to get you on board. And everybody out there listening, please, please make sure you have a plan to vote, to raise your voice with your vote. Let's see some change happen. We're going to make it happen. Betsy Dirksen-Londrigan, thanks for your time this afternoon. We appreciate it. Oh, thanks so much, Jim.